Rocket Penguins! Here we go! Welcome to Behind the Sins, presented by CinemaSins. Welcome to Behind the Sins, your weekly look at all things CinemaSins, TV sins, and commercial sins. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And this week, I'm joined by CinemaSins co-founder, Jeremy Scott. Hello, everybody. This is a this is a fun week uh, because in the past since the last episode at least was recorded I think and dropped because um, I would have dropped on Thursday that was the official ten year anniversary right mm-hmm yep yep on the twelfth of December is when that milestone was hit it's a big milestone and it's uh, it's not small I've <laughs> been uh, pondering it uh, quite a bit to be honest so sure well congrats it seemed to be like a pretty joyous day at least from the the people that I saw on Twitter indeed indeed it was and thank you very much. Staff and fans alike, I know there was a lot of love from a lot of different people, so that yeah. was fun. Yeah. I wanted to start off the show. Um, I had two questions that were asked. I figured we can do this at the top of the show real quick. I got a DM from Oversoul Gaming on Twitter, and he wanted to know for the Avatar recent if the team chose to do the theatrical or the extended version, and what goes into the decision behind doing one or the other? Well, I would say, I'm almost positive we did the theatrical both times we send avatar and i think we would always choose theatrical except for the i'm sure there's one wild exception that i'm not thinking of like uh i don't know i'll it'll come to me later if we were ever to do apocalypse now i think we would have a serious decision on mm. our hands because there are multiple favorite cuts of that movie that are wildly different lengths but in general what we're trying to do is nitpick the same experience you would have had in the theater now we have accidentally send extended cuts before because way back in the day when it was just me and Chris, you know, he would go to Best Buy to buy Blu-rays and rip them and I would get them on Amazon and every now and then I would get like a foreign market version or the file name would just not look proper or would be in the wrong order. And I think there's like two movies in the first couple of years where we send the extended director's cut huh. instead of the theatrical, but it was a total accident. But I think nine times out of 10, given the choice, we'll go theatrical. Sure. Most of the time, it doesn't really matter anyway. I didn't even know Avatar had an extended cut because that movie is already way too yeah, long. It's pretty extended. Yeah. Uh, and then Nick also had a question about the 10-year recents, uh, and he wanted to know, uh, he watches the 10-year recents, like the, the original video, when he watches the recents. And he just wanted to know if there was any fun analytics of like, are you seeing a spike in... You know, for example, um, last week was Avatar. Um, did you see a spike with the original Avatar video, or is it just one extra view? Uh, we That's an interesting example. We did, but th it's hard to differentiate in that case how much of that is because mm. people are comparing them and how much of that is because there's a new Avatar movie in theaters. Sure. Uh, so people are already searching and watching Avatar-related content more than normal. But yes, I think almost every one of them has given a bump to the original one. And I'm sure it's people like Nick that are just kind of comparing the two. There's somebody that posts, maybe this is him, somebody that posts on the subreddit almost every time, uh, some thoughts comparing the, the original version to the new resin version. So that's an, a happy bonus. We weren't like, let's do the Dark Knight Rises 10-year anniversary so that the original Dark Knight Rises can get a boost. Uh, whatever we ended up choosing, the original probably would have gotten a boost. Sure. So we just went with uh, 10 of our biggest, earliest. It's interesting. I don't know how Nick does it. I haven't done it, but like they're wildly different videos. Oh, yeah. Like, especially like The Dark Knight Rises was the second or third overall. That was back when it was like essentially just stills. And then. Yeah. 
the way the videos were put together was so different. Yeah, the narration is uh, less uh, human and more stilted delivery, a higher mm-hmm. pitch, uh, much faster tempo. And then all the sins were short sentences. These days, we'll, if we want to say three paragraphs about a moment, we'll say three paragraphs about that moment. But back then, sure. we were absolutely obsessed with the idea of keeping these things as short as possible. Sure. Well, that's all I had. Uh, there will be plenty more to talk about as we go throughout the content of this week. So let's dive into this inside scoop. What's he building in there? I've got a secret. I've got a secret. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. This is a true story. We'll kick things off with Monday's video, House of the Dragon. We are uh, finally doing the last two episodes of this season for Monday and Wednesday's video. You seem to be relatively underwhelmed with the show, but I think we talked before the show had wrapped up. I mean, is that still kind of the case? Yeah, I think it's I think it's well acted. I think it's uh, visually pretty stunning. I just don't know if we're going to be telling any s- new stories that weren't mm-hmm. told in Game of Thrones. There's even a joke. I think it's this is episode nine. There's even a joke in the Sins video about because they show a bastard child with bleach blonde hair and the sin is oh yes the old king robert strategy maybe one of them will grow up to be an underutilized plot device because we've (laughs) seen you know this person's bastard dangling as a plot thread already in game of thrones we've seen incest Uh already in game of thrones uh we've seen dragons and so for me maybe i'm just not as interested in spending more time in this world as everybody else is. I think for a lot of folks, the ending of Game of Thrones was so dissatisfying that this show comes along and is of quality and it's easier to embrace because it feels like this one at least knows where it's going and where it's going to end and when it's going to stop. And that was a lot of words to say, yeah, um, I ended up still pretty underwhelmed with the show, despite I think it being well-crafted. Are you coming back for season two? Probably. I don't know. We'll see what we... I really am trying to be... I don't do resolutions because uh, if I want to change something about my life, I don't want to wait a whole calendar year to do it. I figure I should just do it. But something I I am hoping to do more of in this coming year is watch these shows that I know to be great that I just haven't seen yet. Like, I haven't seen a single episode of Stranger Things. And Mm. I have heard from enough people in my life that I trust that I am pretty confident I'm going to enjoy that show, if not love it. And if I had, I'm making this choice today, I think I would rather say I'm probably going to go into Stranger Things rather than coming back to House of the Dragon season two. But then they'll do some amazeballs thing in episode six <laughs> of season two that everybody will be like, you have to watch the first five episodes. But they'll do one of those hold the door, Hodor moments. Do you watch mm-hmm. Game of Thrones? You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'll, I'll get compelled to be sucked back into the show because when HBO... Not just Game of Thrones, but man, when they have those moments, they freaking nail them. That that Hold the Door episode blew my freaking mind. I think I stand by the Westworld season one finale is maybe the best episode of TV ever. Mm. You're right. When HBO hits their moments, they hit them. They really do. I like that resolution. Trying to dive into like a a back catalog as opposed to like, like, I I think there, like FOMO kind of goes both ways. Like it could be fear of missing out of stuff in the present or fear of missing out of like people that have never seen The Wire, like. Right. You should watch The Wire because it's it's remarkable. Right. I know you've seen it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's like, yeah, like I, I recently just decided like like movie TVs and video games. I really only have time for the two. And it just kind of fluctuates with two I'm spending time on. And it, for the last like two years, it hasn't been TV. So right. I'm just like, I'm just going to like concede and not really be a TV person anymore. 
Yeah. Like I'm going to watch the things that I care about and that's it. That's where I'm trying to go is, is, is not stick with something that isn't really impressing me in the hopes that it improves and moving on to something that, you know, I just never got to, but I know is really high yeah. quality. Right. And there's no reason for me, like, I, I don't necessarily need to see everything that comes out anymore. And it's like kind of along your argument, like, I've never seen The West Wing and it's been on my queue for forever. So I feel like I should watch The West Wing, you know, should be a little bit more important for me to watch than House of the Dragon season two. So I like that. I feel like if you go into The West Wing cold today, you're just going to get pissed about how (laughs) Washington actually (laughs) is because that show gives you hope in our politicians. And that is just a dangerous thing to have. (laughs) Well, I've already seen Newsroom. So like, Ah, (laughs) same thing for for journalists there <laughs> yeah yeah i also like right around the start of covid i started like re-watching things because i was like there's so many new things to watch i'm not going to re-watch old things and i was like yeah but i want to re-watch things too so yeah now i'm like i just want to replay the batman arkham trilogy even though i played it like a year and a half ago i also did scrubs right at the start of covid again and like yeah. i'm already i'm already itching for another rewatch. like scrubs is my fraser or seinfeld or friends sure you know, sure you. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it is for a lot of people just a couple years behind me in terms of like like when I was a senior. How, how old are you? Late thirties, mid thirties? I'm twenty seven. Son of a bitch! <laughs> I know I'm bald, so like. <laughs> then you actually probably didn't. Did you watch Scrubs in its original run then, or did you kind of come to it in reruns? No, um, I think it was reruns. Like I think it would have been on, but like I was probably too young for it. I think I I, I watched it in full in high school, and okay. I think it was I, I, like right as it ended. Okay. Yeah, no, it was not like an original run for me. I was not assuming your age based on your hairline. I was assuming your age based on like how freely you are able to discuss pop culture and movies and references and things like that. You don't seem like you've you've crammed a lot into 27 years. I'll take that. I also like grew up. I didn't really grow up in the age of podcasts because I feel like people younger than me are. But like I was in high school when podcasts really took a boom. So like part of that, too, is listening to I think the first Sinscast Sinscast episode I listened to was the the March Madness bracket, like the first episode of that. Like and then I did a back catalog of that, too. And it's like you guys talk about so much there. And then, mm. you know, also, you know, Sif Pop stuff, you know, with Dicer and throwing beyond the sin or behind the sins, you know, the first two seasons, like you know, there's plenty of stuff to talk about. And yeah uh so back to house of the dragon then <laughs> yes well we did meander a bit but no shit allison if you want to apply to join our team of pointing out the obvious we'll happily send you a raven <laughs> like that's just a fun way of like it's kind of almost allison would be good at tv sins but it's almost like you would be a good intern at tv sins. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah what are some of the stuff you have uh, I well, I already did, I read my old King Robert strategy one uh, mm-hmm. about the bastard child being a, an underutilized plot, plot device. I also really laughed at the one making fun of Viserys. Uh, I don't know if it's Viserys or Viserys the Peaceful, and how that name is really lame and it's mm-hmm. almost as bad as Bran the Broken. And then he goes, "I said almost." Uh, <laughs> those jokes always make me laugh, and uh, those are the only two I wrote down from this episode. Uh, but although them, there were several chuckles, I was just trying to make sure I had a few jokes to give praise about for each of these. Yeah, uh, and I don't think I mentioned it earlier. Aaron and Daniel writing on this script. Mm. I love uh, if Otto ends up being named Odor because he can only say Odor for the rest of his life. I will give every sin back. <laughs> <laughs> And then there was the the royal fanfare at the start of the crowning scene, and Aaron 
as the narrator like tries to go into a royal skip and then he's just like oh wait hold on force i have it and so he just has to stop <laughs> uh show takes this long to realize that what i actually meant when i wanted to see a crowning scene i was yep. shocked when i saw that danae wasn't on the script and i saw that in there i was like okay so. <laughs> that does kind of sound like a joke that she influenced or would write for sure yeah and maybe she was the review i don't know uh, and then I I love this is one of my new favorite. I think it's starting to be a running joke in uh, the TV since I don't know if it's made its way to cinema since, but where it starts off with the awe and then it turns into you. So uh, uh, you look yeah. so much like your mother in certain lights. Uh, I I just love that that delivery. Yeah, it's good stuff. I don't remember when the first one that was. We played around with that a lot though. It starts cute and then turns gross like that. Aww. Those are always fun to narrate. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I didn't have any questions about the script, but I did pull a comment from YouTube. Excellent. Cairo Arena says, uh, I am now unnecessarily mad that I have missed all the Shadow Puppet videos. Because <laughs> it says <laughs> that they do Shadow Puppet videos on Tuesdays. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Um, oh, man. <clears throat> that just hit me right in the giggle. So. Uh, I didn't have anything else. I mean, if you had notes or comments from Aaron and Daniel or anyone... No, I did not go out for notes to anyone because I was a slacker. I was entertaining my brother and not thinking about BTS and didn't even realize until this morning that I still hadn't looked at the show notes. And so, listener at home, blame me. That doesn't make you a slacker. It makes you a good family member. Uh, well, yes. I appreciate you, you putting that positive spin on that for me. Yeah. I appreciate that. We're, we're all good. We still get to talk about the videos and talk about things as they come up. So that's all we're really here to do. Um, yeah. So that's all I had for this video. Um, you ready to move on to CinemaSins? Yes, indeed. All right. Tuesday's video, Jurassic World Dominion. Jonathan and Ian writing on this one. Mm-hmm. This movie's terrible. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't seen this movie. And I haven't seen this Sins video. This is the only one I didn't get to. Because I have been told that even watching the Sins video will enrage me at how bad Mm -hmm. this movie... I hated the last Jurassic World movie. Hated. And most people found something to like in that movie. So this is one of those where I have narrated an entire Sins video, and I don't know what really anyone's talking about. And it sounds ridiculous. It sounds like a very terrible movie. Mm -hmm. And does it end with the dinosaurs and humans just sharing the world? Yes and no. That's how the last movie ended, Fallen Kingdom. Well, exactly. But I, thought, I assumed they were going to at least fight for a while after that, that got started. And then, nope, they immediately kill that. Oh. And all the dinosaurs are on some remote island that is completely controlled by some corporation, and the corporation owns the rights. It's Biosyn, which is owned by Dotson, or ran by Dotson from the first mm. movie. And so he has all the rights to the dinosaurs dna stuff and so he has them all on this remote island or at least remote area of this continent or whatever and so all the dinosaurs are gathered in one place i'm sure you can tell what's going to happen although it doesn't happen in the way you think it's going to happen it's much stupider than that it's just yet another series that has damned itself by insisting on ties to the past and legacy characters returning and keeping everything like the fact that Dotson is even in this freaking movie annoys me. I I was already annoyed that Sam Neill and Laura Dern were back. And we knew uh-huh. Jeff Goldblum was back from the last movie. I don't need any of that. That's not what I love about Jurassic Park. Why do they keep misunderstanding this? I do actually, maybe once you, well, you, I don't think you should see the movie, but if you, for some reason, wind up 
catching it flipping channels and Showtime or HBO or whatever. Like the actor that plays Dotson, I can't remember the actor's name right now, but he plays uh, Richard Parker in the Amazing Spider-Man movies. Oh, Campbell Scott. Yes, him. That's his name. Okay. He's really good in this movie and he's yeah. like arguably the best. Uh, like the person you want to watch the most. He's great. You still could have cast Campbell Scott and named him someone like Johnson. Like it doesn't have to True. be a tie to a character from a legacy film. He could just hire a great actor and let him choose scenery. Uh, I'm about to lose all my street credit here um, because actually uh, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is my second favorite Jurassic Park movie. Well, that doesn't cause you to lose street cred unless you tell me you've seen all of the Jurassic Park movies. Yeah. Uh, okay. No, I'm, I'm going to take a little bit of that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> well, here's why. Because it's precisely what you're talking about where you're saying like they don't need to to try to do callbacks to the original like i feel like jurassic world fallen kingdom is the only film that tries anything new in the franchise i will agree with that it's not a great movie right it's not perfect by any means but i at least admire the attempt and i think the cinematography is the best since the mm. original in fallen kingdom so mm. i'm not saying it's a great movie but i'm saying it's my second favorite jurassic park movie <laughs> Okay, that's fair. I still think Lost World is my second favorite just because there's still so much Spielberg in that movie, even though it's overwrought and overlong mm -hmm. and everything in San Diego can go. But there's even moments in San Diego that are like Spielberg's signature moments. And then three comes along and is like, hey, remember Spielberg? I don't. <laughs> this is nothing like what he does. <clears throat> so I can at least understand you saying that. I don't think that costs you any street cred. I thought you were going to say you've never never seen the original or something like that. And then I, well, that probably would have cost a little. No, I grew up. I watched the original a lot. I probably seen Jurassic Park three more than any of them because that was 2001. I was six at the time. Oh, OK. So I probably seen that one more than any of them. And look, it's not good. I don't think I've seen it for 15 years before, right before this movie came out. And it's it's not good. But you're right. Lost World is it's got some touches of greatness and it. Really sucks most of the time. This this film um, has no touches of greatness. It's just terrible <laughs> the whole time. There's like a chase scene in Africa that is awesome. And that's about it. Like there's a motorcycle chase like through the scenes. And there are like raptors that are like on their sense. And it's very like born ultimate of me. Okay, I think I got glimpses of that in the trailer. I think I know what you're talking about. That scene about. is awesome, and the rest of the movie can go to hell. Because right. in this final movie of this, you know, the sixth movie of this franchise, the plot is about locusts eating crops, not about dinosaurs. So. Yeah, that's what I also heard is that we're not we're not really dealing with dinosaurs as much as we are insects in this movie. No, the dinosaurs are inconsequential. Um, they're just cool. kind of around. So I thought the, the writers did a great job tackling this one because they, um, they, they talk about the villain's plan. So villain's plan is Campbell Scott um, Dodson is creating these locusts that are going to wipe out every crop that isn't made with seed made by Biosyn. So that's where Laura Dern and Sam Neill and Jeff Goldblum wind up meeting at the big factory because mm. they're you know, wanting to be like, hey, we want Alan Grant's approval on this because that will mean something. Mm. And Jeff Goldblum is already like an in-house ethics person, which is all sorts of crazy. The narrator talks about the plan and he's just like, so how did you think that nobody was ever going to find out when all the crops are dead except for the ones that were made with biosyn seed? You don't need evidence like <laughs> that. that is evidence. Yeah, seriously. 
And not only that, but like you're not going to have enough crop to sustain the world, especially a world where there are dinosaurs roaming. So, <laughs> no kidding. <sighs> it's 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 all sorts of stupid. That sounds like it deserved a sins video. Yeah, there's a there's some really great um, things in this sins video that happened because like there are kind of like you mentioned about the lost world, like there's maybe a glimpse here or there where you're like, hold on, Campbell Scott's performance is great. I love him. Or like the chase scene in, I think it's, I think it's Mumbai. I could be wrong. Um, maybe Morocco, one of the two. I'm sorry that people that actually care. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but there's, there's a chase sequence that's actually pretty good. So the, the, the narrator is going through this process. It's like, I really want to give a sin off for this performance, but I just can't for this really terrible movie. And <laughs> it, it's been really fun too. Cause uh, I, talking with um, some of the sins team and you're like, yeah, we really wanted to give sins off, but like we've gotten a little bit too loose with it in the past. And so like Ian wrote like three sins off for star Trek five. And he's like, no, this movie can't get any sins <laughs> off. So I, I liked seeing the restraint there where you're like, like, you don't have to include a sin removal in any movie or any I mean, cool thing. if like, you put Dicer on a Pixar script, he's going to remove 10 to 15 sins before it goes through editing. That's just, that's, that's just part of the DNA of who Dicer is. Yeah, but Turning Red doesn't deserve 15 sins off, you know? So <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I was talking with somebody recently because, like, it's nominated for a, b- a bunch of Academy Awards. I'm like, it's got to be because, like, there's been nothing this year, right? Like, <laughs> it's top five animated of the year, but there's, like, two good animated movies that have come out this year. <laughs> and only six total. <laughs> right. So <laughs> like, Turning Red's fine, right? It, but that's, that's yeah. all. And I just really like how the narrator is like struggling. He's like, I really want to, I really want to give a sin off, but I'm not. So instead I'm sitting it for this stupid thing. Was, <laughs> uh, and then there's a, there's a shot of, uh, of Chris Pratt, like doing a hand gesture to the, to the dinosaur, which they send to high holy hell. Uh, that's Good. <laughs> a really stupid thing in this franchise, but there's a, uh, the sin says attempting to use the force in the wrong legacy sequel. Ha ha. And then the uh, the other sin I wrote down. So at the end, there's the whole like they have the daughter clone thing that uh, that like she's like wanted by everybody like and she's Claire and whatever Owen are fugitives for housing her. And all of a sudden, like she's revealed to the world because like that she's just survived this you know attack and there's a bunch of news reporters there and all that. And so this seems like a touching moment but shortly after this owen and claire were arresting for arrested for kidnapping a minor and Maisie was sent to an orphanage where she was adopted and raised by batman oh wait this is universal so she was adopted and raised by dom toretto i guess <laughs> get better ip universal <laughs> so then i also wrote a note like because there was a there was a rumor a long time ago that they were trying to make a fast and furious and drastic world crossover movie so like maybe this is the connecting bridge <laughs> interesting Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't bat an eye with Dom Toretto taking down a dinosaur using a rocket motorcycle. I mean, at this point. Why not, right? Why not? Both of these franchises are stupid at this point. So. Yeah. yeah. It also just brought back a wave of nostalgia because as soon as I remember that, I'm like, oh, remember when they were going to do a 22 Jump Street sequel that was in the Men in Black universe? Yeah. And yeah. That would have been either cool or terrible, but yep. I'm going to say cool. <laughs> I, I mean, I, let's just believe it would have been cool since we're not going to get it. Sure. But um, I mean, it's if Lord and Miller were involved, I think it probably would have been good. Yeah, but if they would have been involved, though, we wouldn't have gotten into the Spider-Verse. So, you know. There you go. Uh, 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 that's a trade I'm willing to make. Silver lining. Uh, and then the other, the other thing I had is just a comment on YouTube and... <laughs> 
it's just the per- this is the perfect way to describe this movie. So, um, Keln on YouTube just says, "Rarely has a movie insulted my intelligence with so much persistence." <laughs> that was remarkable. <laughs> yeah, um, that's good. Because I felt stupid in the movie theater watching it, and then I saw the Sins video. I'm like, "Oh, they really like they really make you feel stupid by watching this." And, uh, <laughs> it's just a shame. <sighs> It's a shame, especially because the ending of Fallen Kingdom was awesome. We were like, yes, dinosaurs and humans together. This is going to be a really interesting movie. And they're like, nope, they're not together. They're separated. And it's like, I hate you already. <laughs> I'm ready to stop insulting listeners' intelligence by even mentioning this movie anymore. If, if you are channel surfing and this movie comes up, keep surfing. That's yeah. I'm going to. Especially if you're already talking about not watching House of the Dragon season two. Like... <laughs> Seriously, that would be a bad investment if I if I saved some time on House of the Dragon but spent it on this movie. <laughs> yeah, we'll uh, go back to House of the Dragon then, I guess, because the Wednesday's video is episode 10, the finale. Uh, Ian and Jonathan writing on this script. Um, so what are some of the stuff you had written out for this one? Then? I laughed a lot at the 4 and 10 uh, when Aaron is complaining about saying his age is 4 and 10 instead of like, 14 or 13 whatever it is mm-hmm. um and then he ends it by saying i'll add four and ten cents and I, I was a little disappointed when the sin counter did not go up by 14 but instead just went up by one because he was threatening to do it he wasn't actually mm. and i liked the sin about the dragon wait so damon is doing this dramatic speech and he basically offers the person a choice and right when he says the word choice his dragon comes up from behind the hill behind him and it's just so and there's this really long sin about the dragon having this great dramatic timing and knowing to listen for his master saying the word choice before he shows up and appears and then uh the one uh with them saying uh looking at the camera and saying book titles because she says a song of fire of ice, a song of fire and ice and he's like i wish george R. R. martin would just finish the series so they at least have more variety in the book titles they could say when they look directly in the game. Uh, so uh, those were the ones that I liked the most and made me laugh the most in this video. Yeah, those were all <laughs> really funny moments. It was also great. I, again, there's no video proof, but you're talking about the dragon coming up and you're like doing this like flaily arms, like fun thing. Yeah. It's like um, <laughs> something that only we will share and nobody will ever out. see. <laughs> Yep, the the babe is coming. What babe? The babe with power? What power? The power of voodoo? What voodoo? Who do you do? Do what? Remind (laughs) me of the babe. Uh, And then, geez, Renera, do you want to jinx him anymore? Maybe have him say something like, I'll be right back, or tell the audience he just has a few days left in retirement (laughs) until the force. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, man. Those guys are funny. Those are the ones I had written down, but again, like just belly laughs for each of them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll move on to the Thursday's video then. Uh, Edward Scissorhands. Uh, you and Chris writing on this one. Yeti, yes. Yeah. The original uh, crew coming up here. Mm-hmm. Okay, I got the feeling that both of you, both writers on this, this film, respect it, but also like don't think that it is aged as well no i think that's i mean i won't put words in chris's mouth that's definitely how i felt uh i probably haven't seen edward scissorhands in 10 or 15 years neither have i if you'd asked me before writing sins for it what i thought of it i would have given it a higher grade than i would give it now having gone through it i don't think that means it's it's turned bad but this movie like a lot of tim burton gets by on johnny depp's performance and a lot of mood and Danny Elfman helps create that mood a lot. Mm-hmm. And when you really kind of peel all that away, 
from Edward Scissorhands. There's not a lot left of substance. There is such great Tim Burton mood and visuals and color palette. And he's just full-on Tim Burton weird in this before anyone ever realized they could tamp that out of him, maybe? I don't know. It just feels Hmm. like... He's so free and wild making these early works. And, you know, you get to something modern day like the Alice in Wonderland movies. That's not even modern day. Those are like eight years old. It just feels like either someone is reining him into a certain constraint or he doesn't have the same joy about those characters as he does for Edward Scissorhands or what have you. There's a magic here for sure. I just don't think it has aged as well uh, as it has for others. I think it's probably more so the latter because I feel like Tim Burton is who he is and he's not going to compromise. And I feel like when a studio hires him to make a film, they kind of know what they're getting into. So I feel like he's always been full Burton his whole career. Mm. I mean, because you can look at those early Batman movies and like there's no studio interference there, especially I'm not in the second one. Like the, I feel like the first one is they gave him 90, 95 percent control. And then the sure. second one, they gave him 100 and he was like, mm. rocket penguins. Because <laughs> that movie is bonkers as hell. I love it, too. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, that's when he took the gloves off and said, OK, I'm going to do everything I want. I feel like studios give him the option to do what he wants to do, but like they kind of know like Tim Burton is going to do his thing. I think he's just gotten progressively weirder. And I think it's because some of his earliest weirdest stuff has been his most successful and his most beloved. But I, I don't know if maybe he's just lost his spark, like you kind of said, because like, mm. I mean, you look at like uh, this and Beetlejuice and Batman are some of his m- most beloved works. Yep. Big fish in the conversation, I guess, too. But like take a look at Dumbo or something like that. And, Dumbo's uh, terrible. If he had full control, which I'm willing to assume, then I don't feel like he was as into that as he was something like Beetlejuice. Dumbo felt like he was kind of bored making that movie. So I don't know. I didn't see it, but I know better than to turn it on. (laughs) Yeah, it's not good. I didn't enjoy it. I think it's probably more so the latter. Like he's maybe trying to go weird. Um, Like he's always tried to go weird, but I think maybe he's trying to recapture the like, you know, Beetlejuice, Edward Scissorhands weird, but he just doesn't have it anymore that'd be my guess uh and i think similar to you like i haven't seen this movie in 15 years um or so i watched it a bunch as a kid and uh there was a sin halfway through the video that said something along the lines of like we're talking about all these different plot setups and it's like let's just remember that this movie is trying to explain the existence of snow and like it was just that (laughs) exactly was just like the perfect sin where it's just like, this movie probably isn't as good as everybody thinks it is. It certainly is a mood and a really great Johnny Depp performance, but yep. it's probably not a great movie. <laughs> yeah, it is trying to define where does snow come from. People forget that's how this movie begins. No, it's crazy. It was also just fun to see the narrator go off on the, on every little thing about that opening. And it's just like, you're trying to be Princess Bride, but you're annoying. Like, go away. <laughs> just start the movie because you're all these inconsistencies and you suck. And yeah that was largely me writing most of that annoyance right there i was out of the gate was like what the hell is this um i'll kick us off um since uh you wrote on the script so i'll get a chance to toot your horn a little bit here they totally missed uh back in the day by not making an edward scissorhands a demon barber of barber of elm street crossover (laughs) and goes on to explain like you would have the most popular character from nightmare on elm street in most popular actor here like um you know johnny depp being in the original nightmare on elm street and then sure why not throw sweeney todd in there as well and you're just like this whoever wrote it you were chris was just like, uh, 
throwing in like we'll throw Sweeney Todd in here too because why not? I think it might have been a combination because you know, Sweeney Todd is a barber; he's got scissors laying around. But a lot of times, what will happen is one of us will make a reference, and the other one will make a, a different reference around the same point, and we'll just throw them all into one triple reference. And uh, I don't remember who wrote that one, but I think that one might have been. We both worked on that one to get it to where it was. It does seem like it would be fitting for a crossover because similar oh, yeah. like characters and all that. And oh yeah, you know he has the finger gloves things. Yeah, it's like cool. Kind of want to see that movie now. Edward like- <laughs> Scissorhands could be the protagonist, and Freddy could be the antagonist. Uh, there's something there. There's something there. I think uh, he'll do it just like Shyamalan did. Uh, you know glass um, <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> the fuck van argument is a lot more persuasive than i expected <laughs> okay so uh, everything about the van made me laugh and once i started okay so i wrote a sin that called it the fuck van and then we ended up i think we make that say that phrase three or four different times in the in the the sins video because this mm-hmm. dude is like help me rob my dad so i can use that money to buy a big conversion van that we can have sex in. That's basically his pitch. And she goes for it. And it's wild. And he even like taunts her later when she has second thoughts. He's like, don't you want the van? And I'm like, I think that's where that sin comes in. Like this fuck van argument is proving a lot more successful than I would have guessed. Because that is a teenage boy's fantasy. No teenage few teenage girlfriends in high school from my recollection would be like my boyfriend wants to get a fuck van yes so i'm glad that you appreciated that one (laughs) again phrasing of it was great but it was also like similar how like we were just talking about how this is supposed to be a movie about snow it's like how does the fuck van fit into any of this (laughs) it's weird and then like the narrator being so happy because like, oh, I really thought this was a one and done. But here we go. Anthony Michael Brawl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I wasn't I didn't write on the script whenever that was first used. So that's Chris that probably wrote that originally and then came back and wrote it for this one. Uh, but yeah, you don't think a pun like that is going to have a second chance. And then the movie just gifts it to you like that. This, that's the ones I had written down. Uh, so what is some of the stuff that I missed? Uh, well, I would say not specific sins, really, but one of the most frequent sins in the movie that bugged me was the way that everybody just keeps giving him food. They absolutely know he does not have any means to handle. Like, there's a couple of sins even of like, just put this in a blender and give him a smoothie and a straw. You know, he's trying to like stab a pea with a single scissor. And there are three or four different instances where people try and feed him, presenting him normal human hand food and then they just leave him to it nobody tries to help him they just gawk at how awkward that guy with the scissor hands is it's really strange again i believe that's part of the movie's point is that these people would see him as a novelty they could take advantage of but not actually see any of his needs as things they could meet i think that's one of the themes of the movie but specific to food it drove me crazy i'm a food person and you just keep putting peas in front of a guy with anyway um and then it it feels very reminiscent of uh in castaway where he finally gets home and they throw a big party and like all they have is the stuff that he's ate on the island yeah. like, <laughs> exactly like you don't think like nobody nobody thought for three seconds about this <laughs> um and then i like the sin i wrote this sin but my favorite one that i wrote was when the dad is down in the bar and i said you know how i know this family doesn't have a cat these pyramid stacked shot glasses because he's got shot glasses stacked in a little pyramid on the top of his bar. And if you had a cat that would last 
maybe a half a day at most before those are getting knocked down and probably broken all to hell. Uh, and so I love, I'm obsessed with in the background sins. That's why I write mm -hmm. all the sins about the candles and too many lamps and weird stuff on shelves that don't match. And that's just a fun way for me to acknowledge my cat love, but also mm -hmm. uh, point out something silly in the background. Who does that? Who's that? Who has a bar in, at home in their basement and makes a catty corner pyramid of shot glasses that is perfectly facing where the fictional camera would be anyway yeah no you you have them on, especially if he has a bar it, you have glassware somewhere you put it with the glassware exactly my shot glasses are in a drawer under my bar and they're all stacked in <laughs> each other because i don't have a very big bar area. i don't have i think i might have a shot glass so and it's probably just up in the covered with the rest of my glassware they're pretty common uh like groomsmen gifts nowadays. So oh, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. where that, most of mine have come. That makes sense. I did a whiskey decanter for my groomsmen. Nice. With like engraved. I was like, that's that's a good one. I'm trying to remember what I even did. I'm a bad person. I should know the answer to that. I did go to a wedding once and I played guitar in a wedding. I wasn't even a groomsman. But at the rehearsal dinner, they still gave me and the other guitar player groomsmen gifts that everybody else got. And they hmm. were Zippo lighters engraved with the well, I don't know, couple and the date or what have you. I was a full-on cigarette smoker at this point in my life, but I didn't want people to know that. And well, it was awkward. <laughs> I wish I had a better uh, ending to that story. Actually, I do. I had to drive from that wedding. This is just getting off, off the rails, but I'm just going to go for it. I had to drive home from that wedding 11 hours from Michigan all the way down to Nashville. And we stopped halfway to have uh, dinner at my parents' house in Indiana. And I was with my friend and his wife. And my friend's wife said, show your parents what you got for your gift. Why don't you show your parents what you got for your groomsman gift? And I was like, do you know that my parents don't know that I smoke? And I pulled out this lighter and my dad was like, well, now you just need to take up smoking. <laughs> and I, I laughed and put it away. And that was that. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, it's, but you can get a lighter and not necessarily. Yeah, be, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, sure. Uh, I have um <laughs> I have a brother-in-law who we had um usher our wedding and so we got our ushers um gifts too and it was one of those maybe maybe this is why you got those but if I bought a certain number of decanters then it was cheaper overall in the order <laughs> so <laughs> Oh, I hope that's why I got that lighter. That's awesome. So I think oh, like, I wound man. up doing a couple extra. And then like we got one for each of the, the father of the groom and the father of the bride as well. And then uh, we got one for him, the usher. And then our other ushers were underage. So we did not get them um, decanters. We got them other things. That's amazing. That's amazing. Maybe it was that. But also like my brother-in-law like doesn't drink anymore. Mm. So I, I made sure to like ask my sister. I was like, hey, like. I'm looking at this. Like, is that fine? Because you can use a decanter for something else. Use it as a flower pot or orange a, juice. Orange juice. Yeah, it doesn't have to be whiskey. Yeah. Right. I like to think that canonize that, that it's because it was cheaper if they bought two extras and so they gave them yep. to the guitarist. Yep. I think that's it. It's got to be it. For uh, for a YouTube comment that I pulled for this video, uh, Fuzzy Stripe Tail says, uh, this is kind of a, he chained together a lot of the like sins that you guys uh, put in the video. He says, unlike the classroom in this movie, it really cut me deeper than possibly unwashed scissor hands that my childhood classroom didn't even contain one globe, thereby making me less worldly than students who had a globe or multiple globes in their classroom and ultimately resulted in me trying to buy my first car with cookies. 
<laughs> there are so many globes in that classroom, man. It's, it was it, a million. It's, it's so many. I, I also like the way that that particular sin like cut to the globes because like you don't see the globes in the shop, but then you're just like, I wonder how many classroom, how many globes this classroom has, and then it like quick pans you're like a million. Like, <laughs> So oh, yeah, I like how that person just combined them all together. And you're, you're he's he's eating food, and it's like, when's the last time he washed his scissors? Like, <laughs> that <laughs> oh, was great. Um, <laughs> that'll take us to Friday's video. Uh, Old Spice windsurfing. Um, mm. I'm gonna assume Ian's on this because it's an Old Spice commercial sins. Yeah, definitely Ian. Yeah, I've just stopped getting the writers, and like because it's just kind of like there's no consistency to it at the yeah, moment. There it's like, isn't. It's fun, it's yeah, there is. That's fine, but because it's Old Spice, that means it was Ian. What is? All right, what are your general takes on the Old Spice commercials? Uh, I haven't seen one since they really first splashed on the scene. I guess it was like 2006 or seven, somewhere in the late aughts, when they first started doing these like overly complicated sets with the cheesy guy on the unicorns or whatever. But now they've kind of like brought him back, I understand. And they're doing more new commercials with that same actor and character. Uh, but I haven't seen them since the original. I thought they were funny. But like anything, at some point, he didn't need to mix it up, do something new, or you're just trying too hard to recreate the same magic. I feel like that's where they got eventually, where they're not all going to be home runs. Like the cavemen. Remember the cavemen? Well, let's, get yeah. off track. let's get off track again. The cavemen came out for insurance commercials, and they were funny for a commercial or two. And so Geico just ran with them for six more years and the joke never changed. It was the same joke. That's kind of what I feel like with this. It's weird for the sake of being weird. And that's funny once or twice. But then I kind of get a little tired. of. Geico did that. Um, Progressive had flow and then they changed to like the two other agent insurance people that didn't want you to find out about like how bad their insurance was. And then they changed back to flow. Mm. Yeah, it feels like the nationwide, I think, no, Farmers had uh, J.K. Simmons, um, and he, like, does the whole, like, museum of, like, true stories oh, yeah. that are freak things, and it's like, that that didn't live very long, but, like, if it lived any longer, it probably, we would have all resented it, so, yeah. um, and it's just impossible to resent J.K. Simmons, so. Well, and what's weird about them doing this kind of thing is that, so, Progressive is is just obviously all in on flow and this other dude. Jesse, James, I don't know what his name is. Jamie, Something. I think it's Jamie. So they keep throwing those people at us because they think that is what we like when it's not. Mm. But they're actually costing themselves tons of money because those kinds of actors who get a recurring role in a national commercial, that is a lucrative ass gig. Like mm -hmm. those are some of the best residuals you can get. So Flo, whoever that actress is, and she's in The Heartbreak Kid and a couple other films, she was an actress and still is before she got this role, but she's making bank and it's not, mm -hmm. I don't know that flow is converting anybody anymore. And if you want to get into the really nitty gritty, which you don't, but I can't seem to sh shut myself up today. The only reason the insurance companies even do commercials like this and run multiple campaigns at once is that entire industry is all about churn. It's all about mm -hmm. stealing one customer from the competitor with a, with a, a special offer here and then that guy's going to steal them back later and they're just trying to stay top of mind because they know everyone is changing insurance regularly for the cheapest rate and they're just going to remember the most recent commercial and hopefully it'll be the one with the emu in it i don't know insurance and cell phone providers mm -hmm. uh, yeah yep <clears throat> exactly i liked the original old spice commercials with uh isaiah mustafa i thought he was i thought it was really funny you know that first one that they ever did where he's just like yo look at your man not back to me not back like i thought it was yeah yeah, yeah. really clever really fun that was like 
to me like a golden age of commercials because there was like that paired with the freecreditreport.com people singing those jingles. Yep. Um, that was like the golden age of commercials uh, <laughs> for me. Then he stopped doing them and then they brought in Terry Crews. And I love Terry Crews, but I don't like him in this because all he does is yell and I get like that's Terry Crews' thing. And I yeah. I love the man, but like <laughs> the the original Old Spice ones were so clever and then they were just like, let's just have Terry Crews yell. And it's like, that's yeah. so primal. Yeah. And this combines the two of them. Yes, it does. I, I love this um, so much. So the very first sin, uh, it says, warning, ignore all Old Spice commercials except for this one. That's how the commercial opens up. Ian writes, um, taking the James Gunn approach to your commercial universe. Look, it's the end of 2022 right now, and that joke will either age like fine fucking wine or go down in flames. But if there's a 1% chance it's the former, I'm going to bat like that chick and shit and take it, take it as an absolute certainty. And this came out on Patreon the day that or the day after James Gunn announced that oh, wow. Henry Cavill isn't returning as Superman. Oh, wow. So, like, there's no way that the, the video wasn't done before that announcement came out. So, <laughs> just props to Ian. Uh, and, and, like, timing for that sin is just remarkable. Yeah, it's crazy when that kind of thing happens. I left a comment on the page, Patreon for that one. I was just like, this is already, like, aging like fine wine. Yeah. <laughs> That is remarkable timing. And then Chris attempting to whistle at the end of the commercial, which is the running <laughs> gag. And then Terry interrupting. He's like, God damn it, Terry. <laughs> Just <laughs> killed, killed me. Yeah, so. it's been fun. I guess he's been doing this for almost a year or more now, but I thought, think Chris has just gotten better and better at doing those narrations. He cracks me up on the regular. Did you have any notes from this one? I do not. You you covered most of the things I was going to talk about. Uh, it's it's kind of a mashup of what used to work and what they changed to. And there are some really good sense. That first one, that James Gunn universe, I didn't know about the timing, but that was the one I noted as worth repeating <laughs> just because it seems so prescient. Because it's, it's clearly written after he's been announced as head of the universe, but before he's made... Ah, it's really, really. But just... before he's actually said anything about what that's going to mean, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Really fortuitous timing. There's supposed to be a Flash movie coming out next year, and I really doubt that thing's going to see the light of day. I think they've committed to putting that movie out come hell or high water. But we'll see. <sighs> Maybe, but that's a bad choice. And... I agree. Especially if you're going to dump the Batgirl that was a $90 million project, and this is probably a $200 million project. So you're basically saying. Uh, we're going to mothball this one and write it up as a loss for tax purposes. Mm -hmm. But this one costs twice as much and has this really questionable person in it now. But we're going to go ahead with that just for because we already sunk. So I don't it doesn't make much sense. To it me. would make more sense to to release the Batgirl because Brendan Fraser is trending because of the whale. Like that would have been really great timing for them. And I'm dying to see Firefly in a big movie. Yep. Maybe Matt Reeves will finally give it to us. I'm personally hoping for Hugo Strange or the Court of Owls. I think Matt Reeves would kill either of those. I feel like he's already hinted at the Court of Owls stuff with the Batman. Yeah. Like he could definitely go that direction and I would be all right with that. But it sure sounds like he wants to do Freeze. I'm fine with that too because Mr. Freeze is my, f I think, I think Mr. Freeze is the best comic book villain. He's definitely one of the good ones. 
Well, I guess this works as a great transition to our Saturday video then, if we're already talking about Batman. Uh, the Dark Knight Rises, you and Chris again on this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, this video holds a very special place in my heart because this was the very first Cinema Sins video I ever saw. And I saw this thing like on a loop, showed it to everybody. I was just like, check out how funny this video is because when it came out, like I thought I was the only one that didn't like Dark Knight Rises. I was like, no, like this movie's dumb. And here's a, here's a funny video to talk about all the stupid things. The movie has more problems than this, but like. I've said it before and it's probably just a skipping record at this point. But if you watch The Dark Knight Rises with the understanding that they were almost definitely going to have Heath Ledger back in the third movie as the Joker in some fashion. And then when he died, they had to pivot to some mm-hmm. other thing. They went with this hodgepodge of a couple different runs. This is blasphemy, in my opinion, to the Nightfall series in terms of what it does to the character of Bane. I don't get that riled up about that stuff, but Bane is not just a super strong guy who suddenly knows all the facts. Bane is strong for several key reasons, and he learns the facts. Like I don't know if you ever read Batman comics, but in the original Bane mm-hmm. Nightfall run, like he figures out who Batman is because he's smart. And in Dark Knight Rises, he just knows. somebody. I don't know how he knows. Somebody told him. He figured it out. We don't know. We don't see any of his smarts. It's probably Talia told him, right? Like, probably. It's got to be right? it. Oh, this is such a mess of a movie. And I still, I've probably seen it more than anyone you know. Um, a Batman junkie. I love Christian Bale in the role. Christopher Nolan has some incredible shots in this movie. Yeah. I love the fight underground in the sewer between Bane and Batman, even though it's not at all what it should be if it was going to be comics accurate. It's just bloated. The That opening scene feels like, as this since video said, like it had to try and top the opening scene from the, the Dark Knight, that bank heist, but it goes with this airplane heist crash that really doesn't matter at all. You could have kidnapped that doctor in a hundred easier ways, but I do love that scene when he first comes out of retirement. <laughs> and mm-hmm. drives past those cops and that older cop is like boy you are in for a treat tonight because he's, <laughs> he's seen batman before that whole sequence to where uh matthew modine is like like a rat in a cage and then he comes out in the bat and you might have the wrong animal there sir um there's lots to like for me but as a whole it is a, a huge mess easily the worst of the three in that trilogy uh easily the <laughs> the most fun to nitpick and joke about by far. I really like the first like two hours of this movie, but the last 45 minutes are just atrocious. Every single decision they make is, but you know, between the like fake out nuke Gotham and then the autopilot thing. And I think the original sins video addressed like the nuclear fallout would destroy Gotham. Like yeah. not the explosion itself, but yeah, you just made a bunch of people radiation sick, Batman. Right. <laughs> and especially like if Bruce Wayne was closest to it, like <laughs> cause the autopilot, he must've ejected at some point. Like, Yep. He's for sure dead. The 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 Talia reveal is stupid. The way she dies is stupid. I'm not convinced Bane is dead. We've seen him survive significantly more than a shot from a bat cycle. Mm-hmm. That yeah, pretty much as soon as Batman gets broken, that's where the movie like I stop liking it. Yeah, and I'm not happy at all with how he heals because it's basically let's put him in this makeshift prison sling and yeah. And just one swift punch to the spine and he'll be fixed. Yeah. Yeah, he'll be all right after that. The other thing, too, about this, and I noticed this doing a binge watch uh, not recently, is that one of the first things of the of the video says that like they swapped out Gotham, like Chicago for New York. And I think it's Pittsburgh, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, New York and Pittsburgh. 
it is so jarring. Um, they are nothing alike. The first two films feel uniquely Gotham, but also feel uniquely Chicago. It feels exactly how Nolan intends, but he needed a city with bridges. So He did. He did. And what's crazy is that, I mean, he got away with it using Chicago in Dark Knight, even though the Joker's plan suggests it's an island city because he talks about the bridge and tunnel crowd, uh, yeah. which gets all these people on the ferries. Because if you've ever been to Chicago, you don't need to take a bridge or a tunnel really unless you're going over the river which is one very specific section uh anyway so that clearly is a city that has an island that has bridges but he didn't have to shoot it but then when you have this story that's gonna blow up all these bridges around and that's a great shot that's a really eerie shot of those little puffs of the Mm -hmm. bridges blow up but yeah it's not the same city and you can tell and then he goes to the pittsburgh shots for all the stuff with the tumblers being driven around town and joseph gordon levitt like sneaking around corners trying to put a tracker on it and whatnot and it's clear you're clearly nowhere near any kind of skyscrapers at this point yeah it's just you're right it's very jarring it's super jarring on like a binge watch that to me um kind of sums up my feelings it's just like there were so many things that worked so well about the first two and all of it is just disregarded for the third Mm -hmm. one Mm-hmm. Some of the sins from the video. I'll start with, uh, will you stop fight cutting away from the damn fight? God damn you. <laughs> that was Chris. You keep hearing these like reactions, but then you're actually looking at a henchman's face as he stoically watches Bane beat up Batman. It's like an interesting way to shoot a fight, but either show none of the fight or show all the fight. Like, you, yeah. it could have been super effective if the only thing we saw was the henchman's reactions and then Bane breaking Batman's back. Like, that could have been a really interesting choice. It could have. But the way that it's kind of half and half, it's like, oh, Nolan's just bad at shooting action. So. He is. Oh, God love him. At least in that period of his time, of his um, career. Yeah. The I thought it was really funny. Uh, there's, he's trending now because he recreated a nuclear bomb with dynamite for Oppenheimer. Yeah. Uh, and so it's just like, I saw somebody recently like, you don't know how crazy this guy is. Like he filmed interstellar on a, on a melting <laughs> glacier like, and, and he built a rotating corridor and he actually dropped a plane from the sky for the dark Knight rises. And he did all these things and we've just been letting it happen. And now he built a nuke. <laughs> <laughs> I think my favorite story about Nolan is that for interstellar, he didn't want CG corn cause it would look fake. So he planted, <laughs> he planted think, a, whole corn a couple hundred acres of corn. Yeah. And then when they were done filming, sold it for a profit. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, what are some of the things you had? Uh, I love all the sins where I get to do a Bane voice, and you can probably assume that I wrote them, but there's that one part where he's like, all them is yours, and I, I think I do like a gibberish Adam Sandler riff there. It's such a silly voice that they landed on, and some of these lines that he says are just comedic when they're supposed to be like that last lie oh you've come back to die with your city he sounds like a polite butler only in a villain's mask and with lots of muscles but he's he sounds like a very nice guy so those always make me laugh i like doing voices the running sins from dark knight to this one where bruce made alfred go to the trouble of this whole ass breakfast just because he couldn't be bothered <laughs> to communicate oh uh, he does it in both those movies where we see alfred bringing a breakfast to where bruce should be but bruce has gotten up early and gone somewhere else and didn't tell alfred and then another one i wrote that i never thought about i've seen this movie dozens of times but i never thought about it until writing sins for this version of this video after bane blows up the armory above the sewer and that one tumbler falls down and lands right there. So 
you know, Bruce can see, oh, he's got the Wayne armory. <laughs> I wrote, how's he going to drive that tumbler out of the sewer, though? Is that like a throwaway tumbler? Like a loss leader? Um, because, yeah, I guess the point is he didn't know it was going to be right above the area he was blowing up. But that tumbler's worthless now. You can't use that thing through the rest of your takeover of the city. It's in the bottom of the sewer. Yeah. And then there's even the like, how are you going to get it out? Like, <laughs> like all this stuff. Like, you're going to break it down into parts? What are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, that's all. Those are the only ones I wrote down. I did. I did comment the the Gotham is yours, which which the subtitles, by the way, read golfing and s'mores. <laughs> it's <just> hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and then I wrote whoopity doo, flip flippity skip, bebop, womp oh. womp, Billy womp, galoo. <laughs> and I actually, um, this is the only question that like I, I brought to the team to prep, uh, and this was. Um, so is the fake Bane yours? You already fake Bane voice yours. You already answered that, um, or a random audio clip because it almost like sounded like you were like distant from a mic or something. Like, what did you have to do to like make that? Like, I know a lot of people like cup cup their hands a bit. Like, um, so what was the what's the process? So. I actually think in previous videos now over ten years, I've probably done Bane voice a dozen times in various videos, but originally I think I had a hoodie and I would put my sleeve up close to my mouth, but now. Mm. What I've learned in the last few years through trial and error is that if you get the cadence right, people will think you're doing a good impression, even if your impression is just average. And so I don't think I do a good Bane voice on a one-to-one mimicry aspect, but if you get that kind of cadence and up and down pitch of the tone right, people will overlook that you don't actually have the mask voice. Um, so no, I just, I, I think I move back from the mic a little bit and I try and do my best. Uh, Adam Sandler is a zombie. That's kind of what I'm going for there. <laughs> Um, I wrote down, uh, the idea was to be a symbol. Batman could be anybody as long as they don't try to break up drug deals and parking garages at the beginning of the dark night. They can't be Batman. <laughs> That's exactly right. It, only the people that Bruce chooses can be Batman. I already don't really like the movie very much. And, uh, the, like, not that the sins are giving me ammo for why I shouldn't like it, but like it, it just kind of shows the whole, like, yeah, if the idea is that Batman could be anybody, then like. Why did you shame the guy? Like, I'm not wearing hockey pads. Like, he's trying, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, you wore a ski mask the first time you went out, dude. What are you, who are you shaming for hockey pads? <laughs> You're good at that. At what? Poking a fire? Making a fire? Doing either while one of your hands is holding a rug over your boobs so you don't <laughs> test the rating for it. It's such a weird bit of dialogue. They just had <laughs> sex on the floor, and she's poking the fire, and he says, You're good at that. This movie's full of bad, odd, awkward dialogue, and that's mm -hmm. near the top. And I just felt that that needed to be pointed out. What exactly is he talking about? Is there a talent to poking a fire? I'm not sure there is. Uh, yeah, and, and I think there's a talent to making a fire in the wilderness, but not in a mansion. Exactly. A, a, exactly. a newly built mansion, mind you. Yeah. <laughs> um, how stupid it is, is it that this pit in the earth prison that no one escapes from, but they have cable? <laughs> And then, and then later showing that like the cable is better than you know my directv on a cloudy day or whatever. Like. <laughs> That's the most insane television in the history of film. A, a local Gotham City news is broadcast halfway across <laughs> the world in a cave, crystal clear. You know. Yep. And then the last two that I think these were the these were the ones that really got me. The why does Gotham even have a football team if fifty thousand of its thirty million citizens can't even bother to show up to sell at a home game? <laughs> 
they made such a big deal out of there being 30 million people in Gotham. I, I've made fun of that in both Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises because that that is that too is an big absurdly a city. large amount. Yeah, yeah, especially and, for one that has this much like crime and like not like small crimes like bank robbery. I mean, sure, there's that, but like you know when when this is the th- at least second time because in the at the end of Batman Begins, like that every single person in the city like. People don't move. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> businesses don't relocate. Yeah, exactly. Why do banks open up new branches in Gotham? Like, <laughs> doesn't make any sense. And then, uh, luckily for Heinz Ward, the explosion stopped right at the end zone. And you know what that means? Six points. <laughs> it was just. <laughs> that was crisp. <laughs> that was so good. It also tied in really nicely because last uh, last week there was a direct TV video about. Like flipping cha- the commercial sins was like flipping channels, and if you flip too fast, then like the Real Housewives would be on the football court, and then they just keep playing the game. Like, <laughs> so, that's awesome. So I was just thinking of that the whole time. I was like, game must go on. I guess <laughs> six points. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> Can't kick a field goal anymore. There's no field. Six and zero. Oh, end of the game. Yep. It's over. <laughs> That's all I had for the video. Uh, anything else for you for the weeks? Uh, no, no. I think that covers what thoughts I had jotted down. Uh, that'll take us to Behind the Center, then. So tell me about yourself. We're all sinners. Every one of us. And what happens to sinners? Get to know each other better, you know? See, Daddy? Sinners have sorrow, too. The information! It's too much! Walk away, March. Just walk away. Uh, a couple new questions to ask you, Jeremy. Uh, Nick wants to know, is there a previously re- released Sins video that you were not on but wish you were assigned to? I know there's been one because, although these days I just lobby, right? So mm-hmm. are you familiar with this movie X, the horror movie that came out? Yeah, X is awesome. I love X. But there's a scene in X where they take a break between filming their porn and dude plays Landslide. And Britney Snow sings Landslide by Fleetwood Mac. Mm-hmm. And then the dude plays the solo and the picking part on one guitar the way Lindsey Buckingham does in Fleetwood Mac. But that's not something this guy would be able to do. And it drives me crazy every time I see it. So I immediately went to Chris and said, I don't need to write on this entire movie, but I would like to write Sins for this scene. Uh, and so he just put me on that movie. It's like, I think a couple months out still, but I'm writing Sins. So these days I just ask, in hindsight, you know, I think I would have enjoyed tackling The Room. Chris did that one on his own because he had seen The Room and had been to the group participation screenings of The Room several times mm-hmm. and had this intimate knowledge of it. But I think that would have been fun. And then, you know, I'm, I am glad that I wasn't on Love Actually. I have never seen that movie. I have bragged that I will never see that movie. And thankfully, Chris didn't put me on that movie so that I could keep my streak alive because I don't want to watch that movie. Well, uh, the you kind of already started to answer that second question then. Nick Nick says, what's the Sins videos you're glad you didn't have to tackle um, if you said Love Actually, right? Mm-hmm. But how about this? Uh, a, a film that if it gets scheduled, if it gets um put on the board that you just hope that you're not assigned to well again see if i could uh, maybe maybe the next big nicholas sparks thing this one is too close to coming so i can't tell you what this one is but i just did a movie wrote sins for that uh, was like teeth grinding for me it was and it's a very nicholas sparks like movie and 
If I had known what it was, I would have asked to be off of it. But I did not know what it was. I did not ask. And therefore, I was scheduled for it. And I suffered. I suffered for my craft. (laughs) I really don't like doing like romantic dramas or comedies very much. But I don't know that there's anything I would specifically ask to be uh, left out of unless it was like, unless I knew it had, had a bunch of like, suicides in it or something which is a subject i don't really like in yeah. movies but again chris knows me well enough now that he wouldn't schedule that kind of movie for me anyway okay so then uh that just leaves from fan questions as well joseph wants to play a game of three sins and a lie okay i have titanic jurassic mm. world fallen kingdom <laughs> mm. battle los angeles or ad astra and i get to choose one of these four i'll let you choose yeah Oh, well, you can choose. I didn't know. I'm not, I'm not, uh, this is only my second time playing the game. So I'm not sure that I am super familiar enough to know. I have four sins here. One of them, three of them are in the video. And one of them is Joseph wrote one that could be in the video. You have to guess the one that Joseph wrote. So those are the four ones that I have. Since we already talked about Jurassic World Dominion, let's do Fallen Kingdom. Okay. All right. So um, I'll, I'll do four sins. You have to guess which one you do not believe is in the video. Okay. I'll read all four and then I can repeat them if you'd like. Wait, the Montosaurus bit off the ladder and the guy, but it had no effect on the helicopter itself. And not only that, but after seeing it happen, these motherfuckers stand around staring instead of getting the hell out of there. Okay. Sin number two. I know the scene is supposed to be sad as they leave the big guy behind, but I can't help but think that the pyroclastic flow, which should already be going well beyond highway speeds, should absolutely be ruining the ship's day, even if the heaviest parts get stopped, the uh, get stomped, get stopped, the lighter ash should be moving far faster than this tin can go. Okay. And this tin can can go. Uh, sin number three. A movie about a military outfit stealing slash rescuing genetically created dinosaurs from a violent island volcanic eruption might be the weirdest place for a John Deere product placement ever. <laughs> and sin number four, it says, God damn it, it is not possible, even in a stupid movie, that this girl is this good at hiding with an earshot of perfect exposition every fucking time. All right, so I feel pretty confident one and four are sins from the video and i know that joseph is a botanist this feels like whose line is in anyway uh so the one about the john deere i think it's i think number two is not in the video that's my decision i think number two is the one that joseph wrote the the one about the protoplasmic flow and the tin can boat you are correct. Yeah! The only member this round to get it correct. Yeah! Woo. I'm going to clown on my coworkers so much with this <laughs> distinction. You have no idea. Oh, man. That's a fun game. I like it. Me too. It's a good time. And I like that Joseph puts these together because he can... He can channel the voice pretty well. He can. Um, he can. He may, he had me second guessing myself. Well, especially when he gets to select the ones, he can be like, all right, so this is the kind of voice we're going for. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So nice. That's great. Good job. All right. That's a lot of fun. I think we're going to keep, um, this, this is the last episode of round two. Um, and I think we're going to keep three sins and a lie going during round three, but I'll have some new, probably one question to replace the the first two that I asked, but uh, one other thing, uh, we'll talk just a little bit about cooking. You said you're a cooking guy. Okay. Have you made anything like recently that like is new to you or that you were like ambitious about, like since the last time we talked about? 
I don't know about ambitious, but I was just talking on a Recotopia recording today about my new fried bologna sandwich, which mm. um, I hated bologna as a kid, even today. But my dad would sometimes fry the bologna in a skillet. Yeah. And once it's fried, it tastes a lot more like bacon than it does like cold bologna. Mm. And so now, now that was, I was a teenager probably the last time I had that. And then there was a restaurant near me for the last six months that has bologna sandwiches on one day of the week. And I was never there the day they were having them, but everybody thought they were amazing. And I wanted to try one and that restaurant closed. No. I never got to try it. So I said, I'm going to the store. I'm going to make my own fried bologna sandwich. I fried up an egg, a little bit runny, put some white American mm-hmm. cheese on some crispy fried bologna on a French bread hamburger roll with a little mustard. And it's heaven. It's heaven on a bun. I've made it three times since. And uh, my wife, my brother, and my nephew all uh, raved. So that was my latest experiment, and it was a raving success. I'm going to continue making that sandwich until I die. So what, you just do fried bologna and a runny egg on a sa- on bread? Uh, with white American cheese melted on the bologna. And the bread has been covered with either butter or mayonnaise, whatever you like, and put in the skillet just to grill up a little bit. And then mm-hmm. I, a little swath of mustard there on the bottom bun gives it a little mm. bit of bite. There you go. That sounds good. I um I had the same realization because I probably don't think I've had fried bologna since I was like ten, and mm. um, I made some the other day, but I just put some bologna and some peppers and onions in a skillet, and it was very forgettable. Um, <laughs> so. Well, you need the fried egg and the cheese, I think, to really bring it all home. So sure, that would maybe be I, I also don't think I fried it long enough. Like it almost just tasted like. You warm know, bologna, um, warm bologna. Yeah, yeah. not you really got to get the bacon. You got to get it crispy around, okay. especially around the edges. And people think you want thick bacon, bacon, but you want thin, thin bacon. It crisps, mm-hmm. crisps up better. So there you go. Oh yeah, um, I actually think um, I prefer prosciutto over bacon, and they taste very similar. Like they very do salty, fatty meats. Yeah, prosciutto's. I would absolutely rather have prosciutto than bacon. Mm, I don't know about rather, but I like prosciutto. I ain't gonna say a bad thing about that. I did, um, again, not ambitious, but I did, uh, I, I had a very busy like Thursday night and I was very hungry. Um, and I came home and so I wanted to make something. I had my wife thaw some steaks cause I was just like, we don't have a lot of groceries at the moment. We're going to go grocery shopping later today. Um, so I just said, well, I have these steaks. I'll do something with that. I'll probably just fry them up. There's nothing wrong with just a steak, but I got home and I'm like, but I'm hungry. I mm. it was nine o'clock at night. I hadn't eaten anything all day. Mm. So I'm going to do what I know. I'm going to turn this steak into Ramadan, mm-hmm. which uh, which I talked before last time about how saying that it's great. But um, I, I wanted something different than just the traditional. Mm. Um, so I used a different noodle, um, which I realized that like Ramadan is just steak on ramen. So mm. like seasoned the right way or whatever. Um, and two specific ramen packets. But I went with a different ramen packet this time. Have you seen these? Um, it's like Boldak. B-O-L-D-A-K ramen noodles. I have not. It's also, I think, Korean. It's very spicy. A lot of people, like, it's been kind of trending on TikTok because they're like, these are really great, like, ramen noodles. Like, it's got great flavor. They're just really spicy. And I would agree with both of those. It's got really good flavor. Um, doesn't doesn't taste like ramen, especially like the marchuin or anything like that. It's pretty similar to, like, you know, if you just make the neoguri by itself really good flavor but it's really hot so i wanted to tame a little bit of the hotness so i added some butter because i was also making mac and cheese at the time nice and i was like butter should tame that so i added some butter to the bulldack and i just did the ramdan cooked steak nice. on top of the bulldack noodles with some soft boiled egg and that was i wish i would have 
not stirred in the steak with the noodles. I wish I would have kept them separately, but ate them together because then I just had steak coated in yeah, essentially like hot sauce. And yeah. like, I wish I would have like had the steak flavor and the sauce like separate. Yeah. Still sounds pretty good though, man. Still sounds pretty good. Uh, anything else that you've tried or want to want to rave about or promote that you have cooked recently? No, or something much... you've seen that you're like, I want to try this out. Uh, so, chili. God, mm. I've never made chili. Uh, I'm inching closer and closer, and I'm probably going to make some really bland chili for a while until I start honing my specific sound and flavor sure. profiles. I um, this isn't food, but I've been experimenting with uh, different alcohols recently, mm. and so I had to make a new batch because I ran out because it's so delicious. Um, I made my own amaretto. Oh wow! Amaretto is just flavored vodka. It's really easy to make. Okay. Um, and amaretto is not expensive to buy either, but I bought a bottle of Tito's and Tito's isn't typically my go-to. I don't really have a go-to vodka. All vodkas, meh. It doesn't really taste like anything. That's kind of the point. Mm-hmm. So I don't really like vodka. I like things I can taste. I like gin a lot. Gin's my, my spirit of choice. So I ran a bottle of Tito's through a Brita filter to clarify it more. To, to make amaretto, you have to essentially make a brown sugar simple syrup, but yeah. you don't get it thick enough to a simple syrup. You just you know heat until it's like combined well. You don't need it to be like sticky. And then I think for, I bought like a standard bottle of Tito's, like a 750 milliliter. I think it took four cups, mm. mix four cups of this brown sugar water mixture. And then you add almond extract and you throw a vanilla bean in the bottle. Okay. And then you let that sit for seven days and now you have amaretto. Nice. And it is delicious. It is so much better than the store-bought stuff. And not, not that the store-bought stuff is bad, but... You can hmm. like you can control how much vanilla you put into it. So the stuff that I have like comes out very like vanilla is the biggest thing that you get out of it. It's hmm. delicious. So interesting. Sounds very good. Very adventurous. Yeah. Uh, anything that you've tried recently that hasn't turned out so great? I tried to get a cheeseburger pizza from my local pizza place. Like I tried to make cheeseburger flavors, hmm. and so I got hamburger and then red onion. And I chose to have them put cheddar cheese on. That was the mistake. Cheddar cheese and pizza sauce do not mix super well. Mm. And I remember saying to my wife, uh, I will never do this again. And we actually went back to that pizza place a couple of days ago and I got straight up pepperoni. I wasn't playing around. Yeah, you know, I've had cheeseburger pizza at places that was good. I just don't know what they put on it. And uh, I'm trying to make it's got to be something different instead of just red sauce, right? I think it does. I think it does. Yeah, I think it's got to be. Not white sauce, maybe even an olive oil base, but that red sauce really doesn't work that well with the cheddar cheese. And then uh, what is one piece of advice that you give to somebody in a kitchen? Like that somebody that's relatively new that they're like maybe looking to explore some things. What is out of your years of experience, what is the, the best advice you have? All right. This is the same piece of advice I give to people who who, who want to be want to write a book. Not only be willing to make mistakes, but embrace for, for the mistakes and long for the mistakes because the only way you will improve is learning. And you can only learn so much through success. And hmm. the lessons are much stronger when you learn through failure. This is the same advice I give people trying to learn how to get around the roads when you move to a new city. You take some guesses. I wonder where this mm -hmm. road goes. And you find out where that road goes. And it may be helpful to you in the future and it may not. But eventually you'll have kind of a knowledge of all of these roads. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I'm at. I, I, I make one bad dish for every five or six good ones. Uh, maybe it's even a higher ratio than that. But I've learned 
from every bad dish and try and analyze, well, where did this go wrong? Which flavors aren't working? What did I, was the temperature too high? Was the cook too long? But, you know, if all I ever did was succeed at everything I tried, I'm not going to learn everything that I want to learn in the kitchen. Um, and it probably means I'm not taking big enough risks. So there you go. <clears throat> That's, That's my really advice. good advice. Take, take risks and learn from the mistakes. Don't yeah. be afraid to throw something out if it doesn't work. You just make it better the next time. Exactly. Yeah. If my alma mater ever asks me back to speech, gra- speak at graduation, and they won't, uh, I will say, <laughs> I've already got my speech written, uh, and I'm not even joking, but it's called, I hope you fail and fail often. Because I really do think that's where the best lessons in life come from, is uh, mm. you, you try something, it doesn't work out like you planned, but now you've got a key piece of knowledge you didn't have before you took that chance. So The, the one advice I have for somebody in the kitchen is quality over quantity. Mm. Um, specifically in terms of knives. Mm. Like if you're going to buy a kitchen gadget, like buy something nice, right? If you, if you want a stand mixer, buy a kitchen aid, right? If you want an air fryer, buy a nice air fryer. If you want spices, like go big, go nice on the spices. Don't get the store brand stuff. You yep. know, don't get the cheapest stuff you can get, get the expensive stuff. If you like vanilla flavoring, vanilla beans are remarkably better than vanilla extract or vanilla imitation vanilla. Mm. Get vanilla beans. The price is worth it. But specifically with knives, Mm. I I moved to Iowa City and I bought like a $20 knife block at Target, like the cheapest one you can. And they're fine for a 20 year old. But if you actually want to like do some cooking, like we, I got a $150 knife block off of our wedding registry and it's game changing. Yeah. Um, And, and maintain your knives. You have to sharpen them depending on how much you use them. You have to sharpen them every now and then. This is true. And, and one knife block should be able to get everything that you do. I have a, I have a knife block and a cleaver because I wanted a cleaver. (laughs) Cleavers are kind of awesome. I don't have one, but they're awesome. I don't use it for anything, but (laughs) I have one. Anyway, quality. Quality is really important, especially yeah. in knives. That's good advice. I like it. Uh, now, just one last segment before we move on. Uh, beyond the Sins. To infinity and beyond. Somewhere beyond my wild history. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Jeremy, what's that? Any any one thing in any area of pop culture that you want to recommend, warn, or recommend? Uh, we'll go with Pinocchio. Uh, Guillermo del Toro. Stop motion film uh that's on netflix now it's not going to follow all the same story beats as the animated pinocchio or the tom hanks pinocchio from earlier this year that you might have seen uh it's more closely adhering to the book i have not seen a movie this visually stunning in years uh and that may be because i know going in that it's stop motion and so every time i see something on screen that does not compute with stop motion, <laughs> my brain catalogs it as beautiful because impossible. But it's it's leagues beyond any other stop motion film I've ever seen in terms of uh, the attention to detail. And uh, I really, really liked it. It's got great original song, great voice work. So that's probably what I'm recommending to people most this week. I've heard two things about this film. First of all, is that it is the new and likely front-running winner for Best Animated Feature for all the mm. film categories, mm-hmm. for all the film awards. Which then my wife was like, does stop motion count? I'm like, yes, it's animation. It counts. <clears throat> so I've heard that this is the front runner uh, and likely will win. The other thing I've heard, uh, Dicer was talking about this on Sif Pop, and he said um, that they would specifically animate mistakes because when you do stop motion, you have to do however many shots per second. 
uh, per frame. When you do that, you have to be very precise with everything that you're doing. And so like there's a moment in the movie where like the character goes to shut a door and it doesn't quite shut. So he like goes back and shuts it again. Mm. And normally like they would not want to risk that. But he's like they are very intentional about animating it with mistakes, mm. um, even though they manually did the stop motion. And so I'm really intrigued. Yeah, it's uh, I really liked it. We all liked it. My brother and my wife and I watched it together and uh, it's going to be fine for your kids and family. It's not super dark or anything. Um, but yeah, really good. Really beautiful. Nice. Uh, would you like to hear about a recent movie or TV show? I would like to hear about a movie. All right. Me and my wife are trying to get through some 2022 films. And we were in the mood, and so we watched Michael Bay's Ambulance. That came oh, my. Year. Oh, my. I love this stupid movie. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I remember lots of people when it came out were talking about like getting like motion sickness and migraines in the theater. And like I'm probably glad I didn't see it in the theater, but I had a blast. It's up there with the best Fast and Furious movies, like <laughs> in terms of like how like the fun that you can have with this it's uh i'm not saying it's a great movie but there's some really interesting camera work being done there's oh, some there's a- really attempted but failing character work being done as is a michael bay movie but yep. i i just had a blast this movie is like two hours and 20 minutes i think and i was biting my nails the entire time i was stressed out um it is a, it is an anxiety watch um so it is it is um <laughs> I, I would compare but you've seen this one Oh yeah, we saw it at Sinweek, so we saw it with. Uh, oh, that's right. This was our Sinweek choice. Uh, there's some really interesting drone work that I really enjoyed, uh-huh. and Jake Gyllenhaal is having so much fun. I don't know what he's doing, but he's having so much fun that I enjoyed. Cocaine, probably. His, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed his performance a lot because he's going for it, and yeah, I, I get I get why people like this. It does not really ever stop. It's just adrenaline for two straight hours essentially mm-hmm. i didn't enjoy the film <laughs> but no, no, no. <laughs> i see what is there for people to enjoy so <clears throat> like there's there's a thread of a storyline where like the the lead prosecutor like the head of the police is like i'm gonna take over this case because i went to college with jake gyllenhaal yeah and he's like and and he went to school not to study how to be a good guy, but how to know what the good guys are going to do. <laughs> like, and like, that's a really interesting thing. But then like the fact that they went to school together has no bearing on the rest of the movie. No, other than the it so it's like, there's a really smart movie in there somewhere. And instead, this is just a really dumb, really fun movie. So, um, yeah. Well, that'll do it this week. Uh, thanks, Jeremy, for hanging out. Appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Anywhere that you want to promote uh, to for people to connect with you. I mean, you're sure. I think, starting to move away from Twitter. Yeah, well, Twitter's should. going down in flames. I'm still there. But if you want to see what I am posting, which is still mostly cat pictures, I am doing some of that on Instagram now. And it's at jscotttn2. jscotttn2 on Instagram. So we'll see you there. Somebody took the original J. Scott T. N. Apparently. Who <laughs> <Hell> knows? <laughs> you can check out me on Twitter, letterboxd at Schweitcastle. If you want to send feedback on the show, uh, or if you want to send like, um, hey, this sin was really interesting and I'd like to hear the crafting of that, or is there a backstory behind this sin, uh, send any of that to bts at cinemasins.com or DM the Cinemasins BTS Twitter at Cinemasins BTS. Uh, and lastly, don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you're listening to. And come back, not next Thursday, uh, but two weeks from now for more Behind the Sins content. We're having a Christmas break for next week. So we'll see you right back here in two weeks. Thanks for listening. 
Send any feedback to bts at cinemasins.com and be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment. Find more ways to connect by visiting cinemasins.com slash bts. And reminder, like, it's not saving video anywhere, so. Excellent. So if I feel like getting up and dancing, you won't blackmail me with it. You go for it, and nobody will, I won't even have proof, so. There you go. No one will ever believe you. I'm a slut for kitty cats. I like cats. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. That'll definitely make the outtakes. (laughs) (laughs) Aim to please. I was uh, actually just talking with somebody recently uh, last night that um, we just need to move Thanksgiving to like first Saturday in June um, (laughs) because it's way too close to have two big food holidays because as soon as you finish celebrating Thanksgiving, you got to like start prepping Christmas. I mean, you should already have your Christmas presents bought by Thanksgiving, but now you got to start planning another big food for 30 people, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's too close together for sure. I need them both to be in cold weather, though. I don't want Thanksgiving in the summer. Mm. They're both cold weather holidays. Let's move Thanksgiving to like uh, late February. I live in Iowa. It's still cold in June. (laughs) Uh, uh, (laughs) That I'll give you. (laughs) And I thought about like, what about like July? But I'm like, oh, I got Fourth of July. I mean, that's kind of like Thanksgiving for American. Well, Thanksgiving for Americans is Thanksgiving, but (laughs) still, it's uh, it's a little bit more American. Maybe you can cut that part out. Not the apology, but the mistake. I'm losing my words. Jeremy, use your words. 